welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Skriflesing is van Ephesians 3, vanaf vers 14 tot 21. Om hierdie rede buig ek my knie voor die Vader van onze Heere Jesus Christus, van wie elke geslag in die jimmele en op die aarde sy naam ontvang dat hy aan julle mag gee na die reikdom van sy heerlijkheid, om met kracht versterkt te word door sy gees in die innerlijke mens, zodat so Christus dier die geloof in julle harte kan woon, want julle wat in die liefde geworteling gegrond is, en julle in staat kan wees om, aan, om saam met al die heiliges ten volle te begryp wat die breedte en lengte en diepte en hoogte is, en die liefde van Christus te ken wat die kennis oortref, zodat so julle vervul kan word, tot al die volheid van God, en aan hom wat mag het om te doen, ver bo alles wat ons bid of dink, volgens die kracht wat in ons werk, aan hom die heerlijkheid en die gemeente in Christus Jesus, dier alle geslachte, tot in eeuwigheid. Amen. You have your Bibles open with me to Ephesians chapter 3. So we've read there this morning, this morning we're focusing on verse 17 in this prayer, Paul is recorded for the believers at Ephesus and um, and by extension for us and all believers. You'll notice there in the title, the way I've worded is very direct, um, is Christ at home in your heart? I, I could have um, made it more general by saying something like Christ dwelling in our hearts or the indwelling Christ. But I wanted to make it uh, very direct to us this morning, very practical, because that is how Paul is praying for us. As I noted last time, he's transitioning from these first three chapters where he has been teaching us about all the things that God has done for us and in us and the great riches that we have in Christ. And he's moving now into the practical uh, application of these truths. You could say uh, he is, uh, has been telling us who we are in Christ, and now he's praying that the Lord would enable us to live according to who we are. And that is the, that is the challenge for us as believers, isn't it? That we would uh, live out the truth of who we are in Christ. And that's how he begins in uh, verse 16, as we looked uh, last time. He says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And in the last message, we looked at what it means to be strengthened in the inner person. And for Christians, this inner person or the inner man is the new man in Christ Jesus. It is the, the spiritual part of us where God dwells and works in us and engrows us, and as he's here praying to strengthen us. And uh, it's not just God working. We must work together uh, with him in his work uh, to strengthen us and to grow us in our, in our inner man. And the Lord has made provisions for us, and we must uh, make use of those provisions. And we briefly talked about those last time, the the dependence upon the Spirit of God within us. Uh, even our prayer is, uh, is really a, 
a, a testimony to dependence upon Him as we as we pray and acknowledge our need and our our, our dependence upon the Spirit of God to to enable us to strengthen us that we can live for Him. And uh, He uses the Word of God that the Lord has given us, and so. The Word of God is critical to our growth and to our spiritual strength that uh, we might be able to, to serve God. And then the last there, the, the worship of God, both, our, both in our private lives, our devotional life, our fellowship with the Lord, and also our collectively, as we're here this morning, worshiping the Lord together. Well, the, the next part of Paul's prayer flows out of that first part. And he says in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. And the Afrikaans says, So that Christus duri geloof in jylle harte kan boon, jylle wat in die liefde gewortel en gegrond is. Well, that's a, that's a wonderful sounding truth there. But it's, um, it's a little bit hard for us to take hold of, isn't it? this idea of Christ dwelling in our hearts. In fact, we could say it's, it's, it's impossible to fully comprehend how God could dwell in us. And yet that is the reality that we have in Christ. But we could ask this morning, what does Paul mean by that? What does he mean when he, when he asks that Christ would dwell in your hearts, in our hearts as believers? If we go back to chapter 1, in verse 13 and 14, if you were with us then, you'll remember that Paul there, he had taught that for us as believers, those that put their, their faith and trust in Christ, have, the, have this indwelling, this seal of the Holy Spirit. And notice verse 13, he says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. And there he re refers to the Holy Spirit as the promised Holy Spirit because uh, He was promised. The Old Testament prophets spoke of Him and His coming and then what He would accomplish in our hearts, and then also specifically the Lord Jesus Christ had promised his disciples of his coming. And this took place, as you remember, in Acts chapter 2, with the coming of the Spirit of God, and uh, to not only be with believers, but to be in them, to dwell in them. Uh, you remember John 14, when Jesus was with his disciples, and he, he uh, there uh, promised them and taught them concerning uh, the coming of the Spirit. He said in verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And that was the expectation, and that was the fulfillment of the promise uh, and the establishment of the church where the Spirit of God would come and dwell in the lives of the believer. And so every true believer has this dwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God in the inner person. 
Paul writes in Romans 8 and verse 9, he says, Therefore, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And so very clear there, Paul teaching that the believer has this uh, dwelling presence of the Spirit. But notice there he, uh, in the verse, the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ are used interchangeably. And that is explained by the reality of the triunity of God, that, that God is one essence in three equal persons. And we certainly can't uh, comprehend that because we, we are, are limited and God is infinite. And yet that's a cl the clear teaching of the scriptures as we um, are given throughout, the, especially in the New Testament, this, uh, this picture of who God is and how he functions. And that is how that we can say that Christ dwells in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. And so often you, you'll see this reference as Christ talking about being in us and uh, we in him and Christ in the Father. This is the, uh, the, the teaching that we have. But what is, Paul, what is Paul saying here in verse 17 to us? We know that he's writing to believers. So he, he can't be talking about the, the coming of the Spirit to indwell dwell us at salvation. These, these people have um, already been saved. He's already established they have this indwelling spirit and they uh, belong to Christ. And he's in the context here making it clear he's praying for them, that they would be strengthened in the inner person, that they would have this spiritual growth in, as a believer in recognition of what God has done for them. And so we, we, are, we have made the question here, what is Paul actually saying? Well, the verb dwell in this verse gives us some insight into Paul's emphasis and what he's, what he's talking about. As I studied this word, uh, looked at Weiss' uh, word studies in the Greek New Testament, and, and there he says dwell means to settle down and be at home. And so in this uh, Greek word, there's this, uh, this, this depth of meaning that uh, is broader than just the, the normal idea of to dwell somewhere. It is to, um, to be settled down, uh, to, to be at home. In his uh, expanded translation, he says it this way, that Christ may finally settle down and feel completely at home in your hearts through the faith. And so you see in that uh, there is this uh, emphasis on relationship, uh, our fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is still difficult for us to imagine, isn't it? Especially when we put it that way, that, that Christ would feel at home or be at home in our hearts. Maybe, maybe we could think about it this way. What if Christ came and moved into your house? Uh, not just for the day, but to stay. And he went to work with you, and everywhere you went, he was there with you. Would, would he be comfortable with you? Would he be comfortable in your home? Would you be comf comfortable with him? Uh, would you have to change your routine a bit and, and change the way you do some things? Um, sometimes uh, when I uh, get 
when playing golf and I get put with a, a, someone new, a lot of times they like to group you up so you have a, a foursome. And uh, sometimes we'll get uh, grouped up with um, someone else. And when they find out that I'm a pastor, they, oh, well, we, we, we need to be careful how we talk. And so when they make a bad shot, you know, they try not to lose their temper and say words that uh, they, they think the pastor doesn't want to hear. Uh, but what if it were Christ? How much would that impact our living? And that's really, I believe, what Paul is uh, getting to here, the, the fellowship that we have with Christ, that he would truly dwell in our hearts. You remember in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 that there the Lord uh, records these letters to the seven churches in Asia Minor. And the last uh, church, the church of Laodicea, it was known as a, the lukewarm church, which said that they were, they were neither hot nor cold, and it um, made him sick. He would spew them out of his mouth. And, and what he's talking about there, that, and he goes on to explain that they are self-reliant. They didn't have need of anything according to their own self-evaluation. And the, and the Lord uh, admonishes them, and he calls them to repent of their attitude. And, and then in verse 20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Now that analogy of eating with him and he with me is, is all about fellowship especially in their culture. It's true for us, but especially so in their culture is this communication of the fellowship that we can have together. Uh, and the Lord is saying to them, and often this is to talk about the invitation to salvation, but he's really writing about, uh, writing to believers that are, have lost sight of their dependence upon the Lord, and their need for fellowship with him. And the Lord is saying, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you'll open the door and answer, I'll come in and have fellowship with you. And I believe that's what Paul is saying, admonishing by his prayer. MacDonald in his Bible, Bible's believer, uh, sorry, Believer's Bible Commentary writes, he says, uh, here it is not a question of his being in the believer, but rather of his feeling at home there. He is a permanent resident in every saved person, but this is a request that he might have full access to every room and closet, that he might not be grieved by sinful words, thoughts, motives, and deeds, that he might enjoy unbroken fellowship with the believer. The Christian heart thus becomes the home of Christ, the place where he loves to be, like the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus in Bethany. The heart, of course, means the center of the spiritual life. It controls every aspect of the believer, uh, every aspect of the behavior. In effect, the apostle prays that the lordship of Christ might extend to the books we read, the work we do, the food we eat, the money we spend, the words we speak. In short, the minutest detail of our lives. Well, another, another author writes, Paul's point here is that Christ should not be at the periphery, but at the very center of the believer's life. The Spirit's work 
working in power in the inner man, discovers and discloses that which hinders Christ's fullest indwelling, demands the emptying of of the life of self and the enthronement of Christ as Lord and establishes him more effectually in the possession of every part of the Christian's life. Well, this is Paul's prayer for us. And uh, if you move on to verse 19 there at the end, he, he prays that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And so we have this prayer, this desire that we as believers might have this full uh, fellowship with God, that we might walk with him and know him. And this is the believer's experience. This is what we should experience as believers, this fellowship with God. But we must really ask ourselves, how much of God do we really want to experience? How, How close to him do we really want to be? Now, for some Christians, uh, they don't want to really get that close to God, just close enough to f- maybe feel better about themselves, maybe to salve their conscience, or maybe maybe to just give God his due, you know, kind of like when you tip the waiter because they, you kind of feel like you should. And some with this attitude really begs the question, Are they really saved at all? Because God, by His Spirit, puts within us this hunger, this desire to to know Him and to to love Him and to have fellowship with Him. God wants us to be all in, fully committed to Him. And as we yield to the Spirit's control in our lives, he, He creates within our hearts a place where Christ can be at home. But a yielded heart requires faith. And Paul says there at the, at the end of that phrase, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You remember in the, the, the chapter 11 in Hebrews, uh, this chapter of the, the heroes of the faith, so to speak, from the Old Testament. In verse 6 he says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. In just the previous uh, verse, it, he had made reference to Enoch. And you remember from him, he, the, the statement was made that he walked with God. That's a, that's a statement about fellowship, fellowship with God. He, he walked with God. And here, here he says to draw near to God. These are all ways of describing our, our fellowship with him, our communion with him through his word and in prayer and and just throughout the day that our our hearts are drawn to uh, think about him in chapter 11 as the writer there of hebrews continues he he talks about several men and women of faith and these people are not perfect uh, the scriptures reveal their weaknesses their failures but they in their lives demonstrate this continuing faith in God. And for us, we begin our life by faith in Christ, and we continue our life by faith. And the good news is that God strengthens our faith, and we experience what the Christian life is all about. It's, it's about knowing Christ and His abiding love. 
for us. Well, this is the next part that Paul is um, going to pray about. And he, he transitions to that with the statement of being rooted and grounded in love. And so there Paul gives this metaphor, actually two uh, mixed metaphors, of being rooted and grounded. And, and you have there the uh, rooted uh, draws from the agriculture or botany and uh, the grounded uh, in, from architecture, from a, from a building. And so you have this, this image of maybe a, maybe a huge tree with the massive root system and then the foundation of a, of a building. And that day would have been, been these huge stones that uh, would have given uh, these buildings this massive foundation. Both of these verbs that he uses there are, are passive. Um, that means that the, the person, or the subject, is being acted upon rather than the, the one doing the action. And so God is the one who's rooted and grounded us in his love. And these words are also uh, what's called in the perfect tense. And that communicates past action with continuing results. And really the, the emphasis of, the, of this uh, perfect tense is on the present, but it's a result of past action. And this, for us, is communicating what, going back to our salvation, where we're rooted and grounded in the love of God. God obviously loved us before we were saved, but that is when we were brought into this relationship with Him, and we're, we're rooted and grounded. The, um, the Lexham uh, English Bible translation brings, tries to bring that out, and says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, you having been firmly rooted and established in love. Well, we're going to look at these uh, two metaphors uh, more the next time, but think about what he's communicating to us with them. Uh, being rooted, this image of the, uh, the, the, the root system that anchors uh, the plant and the and the idea of being grounded, this, this foundation of a building that has to, to go down to a solid ground. As I was reading uh, Warren Wearsby, he, he writes about being impatient with the slow progress of a, of a church building program that, that uh, had been started. And he said that they'd been working for months and they were still busy with the foundation. And uh, one day he complained to the architect and the, and he replied, Pastor, the most important part of this building is the foundation. If you don't go deep, you can't go high. And we live in this reality of what Christ has done for us. Earlier in chapter 2, verse 6, he says there that we've been raised up with Christ and that we've been seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so... That is because we are anchored in him. And the way he describes that here is in love. This is foundational to our Christianity, foundational to our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have this picture 
of the stability and the permanence of this relationship, his presence with us, the love of God that has been demonstrated and uh, that he's accomplished so much for us. Someone said love is like the soil that we're grounded in. Well, this is true Christianity. The Christian life that we live is not about trying to be a good person or or trying to be holy. It's about knowing Jesus Christ. Not just about knowing about him, but knowing him personally and allowing him to be at the very center of our life. Uh, Theodore Manu uh, wrote a hymn way back in 1875, and it still has great truth for us and a, and a challenge for us. And I want to close with um, these lines from his um, hymn. He says, Oh, the bitter pain and sorrow that at a time could ever be when I proudly said to Jesus, All of self and none of thee. Yet he found me. I beheld him bleeding on the accursed tree, and my wistful heart said faintly, Some of self and some of thee. Day by day his tender mercy, healing, helping, full and free, brought me lower while I whispered, Less of self and more of thee. Higher than the highest heaven, deeper than the deepest sea, Lord, thy love at last has conquered none of self and all of thee. This is the, this is the relationship that we have with Christ, and the Lord has drawn us to himself in love. And he wants us to walk, to live, to experience this fellowship that he longs to have with us, and that he dwells with us. And um, we need to yield to him, yield to the Spirit's control in our lives so that it is a heart where it could be said that he is at home there, that it's the kind of place where he would be comfortable being. Not that, not that our hearts can ever be perfect, not that they can ever be totally holy like he is, but that we might be yielded to him so that he is truly the Lord of the house that it belongs to him and not to us. Amen? Father, thank you this morning for the challenge from your word as we see this prayer, Lord, that you might dwell in our hearts. And we're reminded, Father, of, of what you've done for us to save us and to draw us into yourself and to make it possible, Lord, that we could belong to you, that... Uh, we could be said to be in Christ and Christ in us. And these are, these are incredible thoughts, Lord, that you would desire to have such a relationship, a fellowship with us. And yet, Lord, we, we hear the invitation. We see you knocking at the door. And um, Lord, may our hearts be open to you. May we yield our control, and the lordship of our life to you, that you might be on the throne of our hearts, that you might uh, guide us, Father, and direct us, and that we might enjoy the blessing of that fellowship as you intended us to know. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.
Praise God for his mercy in calling sinful people to this type of fellowship. Let's stand and sing a final song together. Counts not their sum, thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. What patience would wait as we constantly roam? What Father so tender is calling us home? He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. What riches of kindness He lavished on us. His blood was the payment, His life was the cost. We stood neath the dead we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more.